Last week, a series was begun called Born for This, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And today, the title of my message is Just Get the Message Out. I wonder if any of you listening last week remembered the challenge that was left with you. To make genuine, self-sacrificing love your goal for the week. I wonder if anybody out there or in here who heard last week's message has remembered that, has concentrated on self-sacrificing love as a goal. I'm going to talk further uh, today about Paul the Apostle. We're going to look at him who he didn't consider himself in the circumstances he was in, in the grand scale of the gospel message being preached. Self-sacrificial he was indeed in all that took place. We're going to read from the key verses are Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, And I'm reading from the ESV version, although I'm going to take quite a few bits out of the Amplified a bit later on. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 18. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Verse 17, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or whether in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and that I rejoice in that. Yes, and I will rejoice. So in context, Paul was in prison, as we know, and most likely in prison in Rome. Um, And what he's doing in this whole letter, he's assuring the congregation that God's purposes are being worked out through his imprisonment. He wants them to know there's a purpose for his own suffering. And there's a focus throughout the whole letter. And that focus is that Christ Jesus is the purpose for living. Remember, we're born for this in this series. And Christ Jesus is the source of joy and the hope for eternal life for all who follow him. So Paul is Christ-centered in this letter, as in every aspect, I believe, of his ministry and mission and walk. And Paul's relationship with Christ is paramount and evident, and we will see this in this story. Uh, Philippians is a letter in the New Testament which stands out as a letter of joy, So in spite of difficult circumstances, there is indeed joy. So let's look a little bit at verse um, 12. 
I wanted to take a little bit from the Amplified as well, just because of the way that it expresses. It says, now I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me, this imprisonment that was meant to stop me. And here is our very first issue that Paul faces. He is taken into prison so that he can be stopped. Stopped from what? He's going to be stopped, they think, from spreading the good news. He's going to be stopped from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who planned his downfall, they're going to realize that they fall on their faces. But really and truly, they were not trying to stop Paul, per se, were they? They're trying to stop the message getting out. They're trying to stop the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ from being spread. And they think that by shutting Paul's mouth up, by putting him in prison, that will have that effect. But no, as it says in verse 12, I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to stop to, um, what has happened to me, this imprisonment that was meant to, meant to stop me, has actually served to advance the spread of the gospel, the good news of, regarding salvation. So there's that thought, isn't it, that God's ways are not our ways. Imprisonment did not stop the spreading of the gospel. As I said, they fell on their faces. The message continued to get out. Nothing could stop that message from getting out. And I'm quite impressed with Paul and his outlook here. He could have been a Jonah. He could have been in the belly of the whale. He could have been complaining and moaning to God. He could have been protesting. He could have been shouting, why me? Why did it have to happen to me? But Paul was very much like some of his compatriots. He was like Joseph in the Old Testament who was in prison. And great things came out of his imprisonment. Paul himself with Silas, they were praising God in prison when they were released. I'm impressed because Paul did not look at his circumstances. Paul was focused on the effect of him being in prison to the outside world. He was busy looking at what's happening as a result of me being in prison. He wasn't moaning, he wasn't groaning, he wasn't crying, get me out of here. Instead, he was settled, he was looking outside. Again, it reminds me of John the Baptist. He asked the question, didn't he? Is it Christ? Is this the Christ? Do the blind see? Do the lame walk? All I need to do is know that it's him. And it doesn't matter what happens to me. John the Baptist knew his end was coming, but it didn't matter. As long as he knew that it was the Christ, the promised Christ, that was there in the earth. So in verse 13, I asked the question, because Paul was really looking, and who did it affect in the Amplified, it says, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become common knowledge throughout the whole Praetorian or Imperial Guard and to everyone else. 
common knowledge among the guards who were guarding him. Common knowledge that Paul was there because he preached Christ Jesus. The imperial guard were the troops who served as the emperor's bodyguards. And they were entrusted with the custody of prisoners such as Paul, who had come along to appeal to Rome against their sentences and imprisonment. But Paul was focused on the fact that they knew the reason he was there, and that was in itself a message. That was in itself a preach. I'm here, I'm suffering, I'm imprisoned, so that Christ's name is lifted up. Paul is focused on the fact that all of them were aware, and he said many more. So he knew that the effect of himself being imprisoned affected not just the guards around him, but many more as they spoke and others spoke and people spoke. So that was the unregenerate. Who else did it affect in verse 14? Because of my chains, seeing that I am doing well and that God is accomplishing great things, that was Paul's perspective in the Amplified at least. He was doing well. He was doing well and God was accomplishing great things while he was in prison. Most of the brothers have renewed confidence in the Lord. That was the effect of him being in prison. Yes, there may at the beginning have been a little discouragement. There may have been that thought, if it's happened to him, it could happen to me. Or that thought, what's going to happen if he's stopped? Is there no more gospel message going out again? But it had the adverse effect. They saw he was doing well in prison. They were getting letters. They were getting encouragement. And their confidence in the Lord was renewed. They began to have far more courage, it says in the Amplified, to speak the word of God concerning salvation without fear of the consequences, seeing that God can work his good in all circumstances. So there was this thought, wasn't there, that instead of going backwards in adversity, they would continue to push forward. They saw that Paul was still alive. Paul was still sending out a message. And Paul is in prison, but God is moving. And the message is out. The message is getting out there. It's spreading. They're thinking, let me be part of this too. In every single circumstance, let me be part of getting this message out. They see God's work progressing and they're confident to preach. Now, in verse 15, Paul points out two different types of heart of people who preached, of people who were giving the message. Some, it is true, are actually preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry toward me for no better reason than a competitive spirit or misguided ambition, but others out of goodwill and a loyal spirit toward me. So Paul is saying that the message is getting out. People are preaching, some from a good place, some from a good heart, some from a loyal heart, some know he's there in prison and they now must do what he cannot do because they're loyal to him. They're loyal to what has been sown into their lives. I think in terms of 
supporting ministries that go places where I wouldn't go. One of the areas that I support strongly is the work our senior ministry is doing among a people group and among nations where many would not go. Maybe I wouldn't go, but my money, my prayers can go and can do something and can continue to get the message out while one is already willing to go and suffer for that cause. Let me be behind it. Let me support it. Let me be one who is involved in it as well and not shirking backwards. But these two different types of heart, no matter the circumstance. In verse 16, Paul speaks a little bit more about those that preach Christ out of love because they know that Paul has been put there by God on purpose, the Amplified says. By God on purpose. Not that God is a wicked God, but he has a purpose for placing Paul there. Out of suffering, doesn't it seem that there's always multiplication for good, for God? When Christ went to the cross, many of us gave our lives to him. I want to look at a couple of scriptures. Um, in 2 Corinthians verse 11, Chapter 11, sorry, verses 12 to 13. And I just want to emphasize where Paul is stressing about the types of hearts. And he names one as being self-centered, being cruel, being envious. In 2 Corinthians 11, um, verses 12 to 13, I think from the ESV it says, and what, am I, and what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. Paul was saying, no matter the heart of people, no matter how they're behaving, I'm going to continue to do what I'm doing. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. He knew there were types out there that did not want him to succeed. But he says, I'm going to continue. Paul won't stop spreading the gospel while they try to trip him up. He continues to get the message out. So when it comes to the fact that Paul is pointing out that some are loyal, some are full of love, some have a deep relationship with him, but also a deep relationship with Christ, that they want to continue the work. That these understand the imprisonment was purposeful for him to defend the gospel. Nothing to do with purposeful because of Paul himself, but to defend the gospel. I want to look at, as a bit of an aside, another couple of scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because it's about the, the, the Christ-centeredness of Paul, and also that Paul was teaching in this letter a joyous message, in a sense, a message that would encourage them to keep going, no matter what they saw. 
So 1 Corinthians um, 1.23, it says, but we preach Christ crucified. There's nothing there that stops them. It's clear. We preach Christ crucified. Go down to verse 26 and it says, for consider your calling, brothers. And so in this um, book in 1 Corinthians, he's encouraging each person to understand their call. We preach Christ crucified. That's what we're about. That's what we're born for. To live is Christ. To die is gain. But we preach Christ crucified. So in verse 26, for consider your calling brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. You were people who came from different backgrounds. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And so it goes on into verse 31 where he says, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Everything keeps coming back to Christ. You're born for a purpose. Consider your calling. We preach, we get the message out, Christ crucified. In chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, it says, and I, let me just go back to the scripture and give you the correct, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, yes, chapter 2, verse 1 says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or with wisdom. I didn't come boasting. I didn't come with all my cleverness. I didn't, I came for I decided to know, he says in verse 2, nothing among you, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Here he repeats it again. His eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters to Paul. Remember the self-sacrificial love. Nothing else matters to Paul. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Go down to verse 4. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Everything was about Jesus Christ, demonstrated by the Spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What else can cause a man or a woman who is in a difficult situation to stand, to continue to be lifted up in that difficult situation, to continue to preach the gospel, to get the message out, nothing but the wisdom and the power of God himself. So I ask the question, is there something about the power of God in spreading the gospel? It's not about Paul's preaching and it's not about Paul's silence and it's not about Paul's imprisonment. It just is the power of God spreading the gospel. So Paul continues to encourage those who love and are faithful to keep preaching with courage and with faith, to have the Christ-centered perspective 
on everything that they're going through in life. Paul is saying there's nothing but to focus on the gospel message in any circumstance. Verse 17, it says again, but the former preach Christ, that's those who he described as selfish. They preach Christ insincerely out of selfish ambition, self-promotion, thinking that they're causing me distress in my imprisonment. So do you see? Hmm. It's not just today then, is it? That the body of Christ wants to injure itself. It's not a new thing, is it? That we would come against one another, that we would be jealous of one another, that we would be competitive one with another, that we would speak against one another and try to cause another's downfall. It was happening way back then. It's not a new thing. It's not a new thing. Did it stop Christ's work? Did it distract Paul? Did it distract others? It didn't, did it? Paul makes some very, very clear points here. He says that they're trying to cause him distress. But in verse 18, he says, what then does it matter? So long as in every way, whether in pretense for self-promotion, God will use it, or in all honesty to spread the truth, Christ is still being preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice later on. And next week you'll hear why he rejoices. But it brought Paul to a place of rejoicing, that no matter how they were acting, the message was getting out. And it helps me to want to encourage us not to be distracted by those who want to cause us to stumble. So what if he's chosen to be on the platform and another person isn't? That's not your lot. So what? if one is chosen to be one of the greatest soul winners that walks out of the doors of Kensington Temple and you go and you keep trying and only one or two come, so what? Should you stop? Should you be distracted by looking at what one person is given to do? Or should it spur you on? I would rather laugh when the actions of people who draw attention to themselves, when those actions actually promote the gospel in the long run. I find a few interesting scenarios that I was thinking about. I had a sister who passed away, and she suffered um, with some diseases that caused her to be mobile. And she'd come through IBIOL in the 90s. She was a bit of a missionary. She liked to go out into the nations of the world, and she figured that she would be a great missionary. And her prison was sickness. What I discovered more than anything as I was finding her Facebook friends after she passed away, or in fact, while she was ill, it was a bit of a journey. I found people in Australia, in America, in the Midlands, in the UK, how did you meet my sister while well, I was in hospital? And she reached out to me. 
oh, I met her while she was in hospital and I was in hospital and she reached out to me. And my sister used the imprisonment of sickness to promote the gospel, to get the message out. Bit of a lesson for me there. What circumstance would stop you from getting the message out? I heard this morning a great testimony from Janice at the nine o'clock service. And in that testimony, she is giving a challenge to some of the leaders of the young people. And when she's finished giving that challenge in the course of raising leaders, she realizes as she closes down, I need to take up that challenge myself. I can't be the one that tells others what to do and watch them doing all the work. I need to get involved. I need to get the message out. And her testimony is amazing that she could reach out to somebody and help them along their journey. So what would stop us? The ill treatment of our brothers and sisters in some nations of the world that we're praying about at the moment. Oh my goodness, if they're being treated like that, we better slow down. We better not be a voice in Britain in case they begin to shut us down from speaking too. Has COVID-19, dare I say the word, become a prison for us? Well, church is open again, but I'm not going out there. Well, it's none of you here, because there's so many of you here this, this afternoon. But so many are stay at home. It's better to be at home. And while they're at home, maybe they're busy enjoying family life, busy enjoying some downtime, some rest time, while somebody else is sitting next door, afraid, fearful, doesn't know the Lord, what will distract us from getting the message out? What we call a prison today, the wearing of masks, having to social distance, perhaps sickness in our bodies, sickness in our minds, perhaps lack. Well, I don't have enough, so I can't go. And until God provides for me, and until God does this for me, what do we get up? And do we just get the message out anyway, if we're born for this? One more time, I want to encourage us today. Paul sees Christ crucified while he's in prison. Paul is excited that the message is getting out while he's in prison, while he's suffering. I encourage us not to be distracted by anything. If we feel like what we're being asked is too much, don't be distracted by that. Let's get up and let's do it. Whatever it takes to get the message out. That God is the one who is promoting his gospel message in the midst of our trials. God is the one drawing men and women to begin to think, to begin to reach out from their hearts beginning to think about life and what it's about. Why is this going on? We are the answer because Christ is within us. Opportunities come and opportunities go. Are we going to let them keep passing us by because we've got to wear a mask, because we better not go on the tube? I know one of my other family members in East London where the, the virus is supposed to be high, they, they don't use any public transport, but they're walking in the streets. And they're meeting people and witnessing to them. They're still feeding the homeless. 
We've got to keep getting the message out. Irrespective of our circumstances, irrespective of who says to you, you can't make it because I'm not going to let you succeed. We've got to keep getting the message out. I encourage us today, preach the gospel in season and preach it out of season. Preach it when we're happy and preach it when we're sad. Preach it when we're imprisoned and preach it when we're free. When I thought about Paul in prison, it reminded me of Nelson Mandela's imprisonment. The whole world was aware of that. And the whole world was fighting for this man's freedom. But I thought Paul was in prison. And yet Paul was absolutely free. And that was the difference. His freedom had already been purchased by Christ. And he could endure because he already was a free man. Let us do whatever it takes to get the message out, to preach the gospel in good times, in hard times. We were born for this. Let us learn from Paul's attitude and preach and get that message out in Jesus' name.